I'm sure there's some here this evening who've actually never been to a baptismal service before, so it's um, probably quite a good idea to explain what are we going to be doing tonight? What is this um, all about? Is it some strange ritual we go through, um, or is it actually following what it says in the Bible? We believe the Bible tells us there are three main reasons for um, getting baptised. Uh, first of those is the example of Jesus himself. Uh, at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry in Israel, uh, we're told in the Gospel accounts that he was baptised in the River Jordan. This is what it says in uh, Mark's Gospel. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you. I am well pleased. So in being baptised, we have the great privilege of following in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also pray the blessing of God, the Holy Spirit, on uh, those who are baptised. The second reason is the teaching of Jesus. The last instructions of Jesus before he ascended into heaven that he gave his disciples uh, were these. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we are obeying his command when we uh, baptize new believers. And the third reason why we baptize uh, believers is it was the practice of the early church. When we read through the accounts in the Bible, um, This is what happens when people come to faith. For example, on the day of Pentecost, when the promised Holy Spirit was poured out on the the followers of Jesus Christ, they went out into the streets proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Uh, The Apostle Peter preached a great sermon, and uh, at the end of it, people asked, what shall we do? What should our response be? And Peter replied this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the result was this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And that practice of uh, baptism is recorded throughout the book of Acts. So these are reasons why we were baptized believers. There's nothing magical about the actual baptism itself, nothing in the water, the ceremony, or the people doing it. Um, You don't become a Christian just because you are being baptized. Um, Baptism is a symbol of something that has already taken place. It marks the end of uh, an old life um, as you go under the water and the rising to a new life as you come up out of the water. So it reminds us that our sins have been forgiven and we've been washed clean as we've put our trust in Jesus in a minute, um, uh, Ollie and Matt are going to share something about how they came to that, that point in their walk with Jesus uh, and why they're being baptized this evening. But let's, uh, let's pray for them and for this service now before we hear from them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the special gift of baptism. We thank you for, uh, for what it means, for all that it symbolizes in the life of a, a believer, a dying to sin, and the end to our old way of life in which we lived for ourselves, and being raised with Jesus to a new life, a a life of joy in the Spirit. 
a life in which we can know your forgiveness, a life in which we no longer need to fear death because we have a great hope of eternal life with you in all your glory. We thank you that it is by your grace that Ollie and Matt have come this evening ready to be obedient to the Lord Jesus and testify to their faith in him, ready to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would make that very real to them this evening, the experience they've already enjoyed of being united with Christ in his death and resurrection. And maybe a challenge to, to all of us here, maybe for the first time, to respond to your invitation of life that you hold out to everyone. Maybe a challenge to us to recommit our lives to you. But we pray that you'd be with us all, and may all that we do this evening bring you honour and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, Val's going to come and bring us our reading. There are two readings this evening. Um, the first is from Colossians chapter 3, which is on page 1184 in the Church Bible. The second one is, is just a couple of verses, um, so you may want to just listen, but um, if you want to follow it, it's in Ezekiel chapter 36, and that's on page 868 in the Church Bible. So Colossians chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 1. And in this reading, um, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, reminding them of what a life transformed looks like. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 27, God speaks to his people through the prophet Ezekiel, promising to change their hearts so that they turn back to him. Verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is God's word to us. Great, thank you uh, Val for reading that to us. Uh, It's a great couple of passages. And I just want to take a few moments before um, we baptise Ollie and uh, Matt just to share with us a little bit about what they've been sharing and to explain it a bit further. And also just to explain a bit more about baptism as as Neil was at the beginning so that we all understand what has happened uh, in each of their lives. Uh, Back in 2007, I lived in Oxford just across the way and uh, I used to play rugby for a club in Oxford and I broke my leg really badly uh, three games into the season and I ended up in a hospital. That's a picture of my leg back in 2007. It's actually a picture of my leg now. Uh, You may not know this. Uh, Steph is probably the only person who knows this. Um, Some of you might know I broke my leg but none of you know that I had this surgery but I've got this big titanium bar right through this leg with a few screws holding it in place. People joke it's my bionic leg. Um, But that is a picture of the surgery that the doctors had to undertake to fix my leg. Now, you look at me and you don't know that I've got metal in my leg that's fixed me on the inside, but I needed that operation to make my leg strong on the inside. And that picture is a little bit of a picture of what happens at baptism. That God wants to do something on the inside of our heart to fix us on the inside. To fix a problem that people perhaps can't see, but a problem that's deep within us. Just like my bone that was inside my leg, you couldn't see, but it desperately needed fixing. And I thank God for the surgeons and doctors who were able to perform that um, operation on my leg. So now that my leg is strong and I can play sport and run around again and I'm fit again. Well, in the the reading that we just had, the two passages that were read are, are passages that come straight out of the Bible. And I just want to explain Just a couple of things from each of those passages that help us understand what it means to be fixed on the inside. Because that's God's heart for each of us, that we get transformed and changed on the inside. And really that first reading that Val read to us was from a letter called Colossians. It was a guy called Paul who was writing to a church in a place called Colossae, that's modern day Turkey. And he wanted to encourage the church. And he he paints a picture really of what happens during baptism. Don't know if you notice. I just want to talk us through. Uh, there's Ollie, there's Matt, as our illustrations for today. Now you look at these guys, these handsome chaps. From the outside, you wouldn't know that there's anything wrong with them on the inside. But they've just testified, they've explained that there's a lot wrong with them in the inside, just like there is a lot wrong with you on the inside and me on the inside. When Matt and Ollie, in a few moments' time, get baptised and they go down under the water, then if you notice in our Colossians reading... Paul describes, for you died. 
Now, when Ollie and Matt go down under the water in a moment, they're not going to die. I can assure you of that. Paul is talking in symbolic language. He's saying, spiritually speaking, they're going to die. Because going down under the water is symbolic of saying, I want to die to my old way of life. Uh, Both of them have testified, haven't they, of how they want to turn their back on the old way that they used to live and the things that they used to do that they didn't honor God. And they're saying, I want to put that way of life to death. I want to put it behind me. But then when they come up out of the water, that Colossians reading said at the beginning, you have been raised with Christ. Uh, Water in the Bible is a symbol of being cleansed, being washed. So it's symbolizing them being washed being cleansed, being forgiven. And when they come up out of the water, it's a symbol of them coming to new life again. Remember, they haven't died, so they're not really coming back to life. But spiritually speaking, they are. Now, this has happened in them already. Baptism, as Neil's already explained, is a symbol of something that's already gone on in their heart. But it's a really helpful symbol for us. They go down under the water, dying to their old way of life, and they rise up to new life. In just the same way that Jesus himself died and rose again. And it's transformation, the transformation they've spoken of, that leads to a changed life. I don't know if you noticed in that reading, right at the beginning, Paul said, set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. You and I often just get so caught up in the world that we live in. And all that we can see is what's ahead of us. And that's all that we focus on. And we think, well, this is my world and I'll do life my way because that's all I can see. But Paul wants to remind the church, it's not your world. It's God's world. And it's not your life. Your life was a gift given to you by God. So he says, set your mind on things above. There's far more to life than just this existence. The however many years you're given as a gift from God to live and then you die. There's far more to life than that. Think about other things. And in the reading, he said, well, what does it look like to set your heart on things above? Put to death and clothe yourself. That's the language that he used. Put to death your old way of life. And they both testified to that, to a desire to want to put to death their old way of life. And then clothe yourself. I don't know if you notice in the reading, clothe yourselves with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. Things that are wonderful that we all love, but aren't natural to us but things that God slowly grows within our heart when we put our trust in him. Well, baptism really is an opportunity for them, as they just have, to testify to that picture that Paul has painted of already what's gone on in their heart. Now, I don't know if you notice in that reading, it really does paint the same picture of what they've spoken of. Notice what Matt said in his testimony. My words can't express how much thankfulness I have for what Jesus has done for me so far in my life. Every day I give my day to him and I want everything I do to be for his glory. Every day it has made me want to trust him more and trust Jesus more as he never has failed any one of his promises. There's a testimony of a guy whose life has been transformed. But that transformation isn't something that just happens on the outside. It's something that happens on the inside. And that's what Ollie spoke of. Ollie said, people often say, I've done really well to turn around my life from drink and drugs, that I must have had a lot of willpower and strength to do it. But the truth is, I didn't. I had no willpower and no strength. It was Jesus who saved me. Their testimonies 
are proving that what we have just had read from Colossians is true because the picture that Paul painted of a life being transformed by Jesus is exactly what they've just testified with. You can't argue with that experience. It's incredible. But perhaps you're asking, well, how is all that possible? How can Jesus, a guy who lived 2,000 years ago and I can't see and he's not here today, how can he transform those lives in such an amazing way? And actually transform the lives of many, many people who are here in this church. Because each of us have got a similar but different story. How is that possible? Well, to understand that, we just want to go to that second reading, which was from Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet, and God gave Ezekiel a message to take to God's people. But God's people at the time were in a complete mess. It was about 600 years before Jesus walked the earth. And God's people, because of their disobedience to God, had been taken away into captivity. And they were being punished. And God sent Ezekiel, this man, who was a prophet, that means he was a spokesperson for God, to speak a message to God's people. And it's an amazing story. And at the beginning of the message is one of warning. He's just saying, what are you doing? The reason that your life is a mess, the reason life's not working is because you've ignored me. But he moves from this warning to then making promises. He promises to rescue them. He promises to forgive them. And then when you get to chapter 36, which is where our reading was today, he promises to transform their life. And this is what he says. Did you notice in the reading? I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. What's all that about? I've got here a stone, a hard, heavy stone. And that is a picture of your heart and my heart if I don't know Jesus. This heart uh, heart is hard. It can't be changed, it can't be shaped, it can't be moulded. There's nothing I can do with this. This is a heart that is cold towards God. A heart that says it's my world and it's my life. And I don't want you in my life because I can do it my, my own way. But what happened to God's people they were in a mess because they had a heart like that and you and I are in a mess because we have a heart like that we don't want God in our life and yet the reality is he made us and he loves us and he wants to be in our life and so God through this man Ezekiel says I want to take away this heart of stone and I want to give you a heart of flesh and what's the difference a heart of flesh is one that can be shaped and molded and transformed and changed just like they have talked about their hearts being transformed and changed because Jesus wants to take hold of each one of us and say I want to change your life I want to make a difference in your life I want you to know that you're loved I want you to know that you have a purpose and I want to make you a bit more like me day by day that's the picture of all of our hearts before we know Jesus and that is a picture of the sort of heart that he wants for each one of us. But do you notice in the reading, how does that change happen? God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. One person has said, the heart of the human problem is actually the human heart. Because the heart is really the driving seat of who we are as human beings. It's, it's right there at the centre of who we are. And it, does, it, it drives our passions, our desires, what we want. And until our heart becomes in line with God's heart, until we start loving the things that he loves and loving him, 
that he can't change us, he can't work in our heart. But the amazing truth is it's a work that he does. Ollie and Matt's life has not been changed because they've figured it all out, because they've done good things and God said, well, I'll give you my stamp of approval then. Their hearts have been changed because God has worked a miracle in their heart. He's done a work in them that they could not do for themselves. It's amazing. Do you notice just a bit further on the reading, what happens when a life has been transformed by Christ? I haven't got it up there, never mind. What happens? He then says, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and my laws. See, often we look at God and we say, well, I don't want to follow a God because Christianity is all a list of rules, stuff I've got to do, and I don't want to do things. I don't want to be keeping rules. That's because when we look at God and we think that he's got ways he wants us to live, we think that's burdensome. We think it's bad for us. But the truth is, when your heart is transformed and he gives you a heart of flesh, he actually moves you to want to listen to him. Bit by bit, you want to obey him. You want to put him first. You realize that his way is always right. That he's a God who never makes mistakes. That's a miracle that only he can do in our heart. And they both testified not only for their hearts being changed, but also a desire to want to live differently now as a result. So I just want to leave that with you. Is in a moment's time, we baptize them and we celebrate all that God has done in their life. Perhaps this Christmas, for the first time, you might stop and think about that name that is given to Jesus that is often read in carol services, Emmanuel. It's a name given to him which means God with us. Because God of the universe, who loves us so much, came into our world, into the mess of our world. All the brokenness. And he also longs to come into the mess of our broken hearts. To do a work inside of us that we can't do for ourselves. To give us new life. To offer us forgiveness. And to give us a purpose that we would never have without him. It is the most amazing journey when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's not a weird thing. Christianity is not a cult. It's not a religious thing about doing good things. It's about following a person who loves us perfectly and came into the world to show us that and to offer us forgiveness in Jesus. That's why, as a church, it gives us great joy to baptize Ollie and Matt today.